Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Indina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Emma and Clueless. Uh, Emma was written by Jane Austen and was published in 1815. Which is crazy. And the uh, film adaptation, uh, we'll call it still, uh, yeah. came out in 1995 and was written and directed by uh, Amy Heckerling. Yes. Which is cool. It had a female writer and director. I wasn't aware of that mm-hmm. until looking that up later. So Yeah. This is such a great... I'm so excited for this because I don't think we've had an adaptation that's been this different. No. I, I went back through our episodes and like... Um, I mean, plot wise, some of her adaptations vary a yeah. decent bit, but usually like the setting and the characters and all that stuff is pretty much almost identical. Yeah. But in this situation, uh, there's a Similar almost plot. 200 year time gap yeah. between the adaptations <laughs> and a totally different setting. Yeah. But that makes it so interesting and unique, and I don't know the comparisons and stuff. I, I the plot is still pretty similar. Though, it is though, which yeah. Is surprising. Um, I'd seen Clueless before, but had forgotten most of the plot. <laughs> so reading Emma, I was like, I remember vague comparisons, but I was like, I'll be very surprised if it's anywhere near like what the novel is. Yeah. Uh, then watching it again last night, I was really shocked by all the comparisons and all the character crossovers and everything so yeah pretty much the same plot beats yeah throughout and this is so cool too because um this was right around the time when they were doing a lot of reimagining of classic stuff like this was around the time when that romeo and juliet movie oh, came yeah. out that yeah. baz Luhrmann directed mm-hmm. that starred leonardo dicaprio so kind of this reintroducing the classics for a different audience uh i like this idea i think yeah, it's fun me too especially just kind of uh, recontextualizing a lot of the elements, and especially with Jane Austen. Yeah. Uh, this is my first Jane Austen yes. I've ever read, and I really enjoyed it, <laughs> and was just really surprised by how timeless uh the the plot is and the characters and everything. Yeah. I was genuinely kind of shocked. Once you're able to look past, I guess, the quirkiness of the way people talk. You know, for the the time period, some of the language and uh, some of the class structure. When you're able to look past that, you're like, wow, this is still very, very relatable Mm -hmm. on so many levels. (laughs) Uh, I fucking love Jane Austen. Yeah. Like, she's awesome. Um, Love her books. She and I feel like if I could impart one bit of knowledge to anyone, it would be that. Jane Austen is not inaccessible. No. And it is enjoyable for everyone. You don't have to be a woman who likes romantic stories. So, no. like, I think those are the two biggest misconceptions about Jane Austen. One is that she wrote so long ago that it's sort of like it's inaccessible, it's ancient, it's like one of those classics that's really hard to get through. Yeah. Um, which is not the case. And then two, that they're just like fluffy romantic books. Yeah, no, uh, the characters are so fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, I was shocked by how much Jane Austen um, kind of trusts the reader yeah. to follow what's going on and kind of not spoon feed you anything, but you're still able to perceive and pick up on the characters and their interactions and everything. 
Jane Austen is a very smart writer. Yeah. She is very smart. She's very sly. She's very clever and -hmm. she's very fun, but she's not mean. No. So even even though there's some ridiculous characters in this story, she has a lot of sympathy even for the most ridiculous, I think. It's true. Yeah. Which I kind of feel is something that is coming back in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to film and television is kind of, I guess, being nicer in a lot of ways and kind of like, you know, making characters somewhat more relatable and like sympathizing with characters a lot more and Mm -hmm. kind of seeing different perspectives and different walks of life. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had that perception anyway, even though I have no examples to draw from at the moment, (laughs) (laughs) just my feeling. Yeah. Uh, but so I kind of, you know, felt like this fit in really well with that. And I kind of wonder if maybe we'll be seeing some Jane Austen adaptations yeah. more in the, you know, I would love in the that. And Jane Austen is like still so very popular, you know, yeah. Everyone's oh, yeah. super into her. And there've been a lot of different adaptations of her work, which is really cool because mm-hmm. she deserves to be recognized. Absolutely. And if you haven't read Jane Austen, but you're kind of interested, I, I both read and listened to this on audiobook. Yeah. And they both have their advantages. Audiobook's kind of nice because uh, if the reader's good, you know, the, the, the I don't know the woman who read uh, this adaptation of Emma, but like uh, she gives a lot of good kind of character voices and inflection. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, with the dialogue of the time, you don't quite understand everything that's being said sometimes. Yeah. But the inflection and character the way that they say given it. to mm-hmm. yeah the you know the different voices helps kind of push things a little bit more yeah and it gives you context yeah it's like watching a shakespeare movie yeah. versus just reading it yeah right? oh I can, I can follow what's going on now yeah so, it helps i'm sure yeah so that's you know maybe my suggestion if you're interested but a little hesitant about jane austen mm-hmm. listening's a good a good choice yeah uh yeah but so before we get in, into this episode, we're going to handle it a little bit differently. Yeah. We're really going to section it off where we talk about uh, Emma for kind of the first um, half of that book, then Clueless. Yeah. Then probably jump back to Emma and then mm-hmm. Clueless again. Yeah. Because even though they are really similar, every character pretty much has a different name. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to get really confusing. Yeah. We don't want to be like, uh, share at slash Emma I mean, when she's with Josh slash Mr. Knightley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll try to make it less confusing by just focusing on Emma mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um. Yeah, so yeah. Emma. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Emma is great. Um, <laughs> I just want to read the first line of this book. Yeah. Jane Austen is really good at writing first lines of books. She has a really famous line for the beginning of Pride and Prejudice, and this one's pretty good too. First line is, Emma Woodhouse, handsome, clever, and rich, with a comfortable home and happy disposition, seemed to unite some of the best blessings of existence and had lived nearly 21 years in the world with very little to distress or vex her. (laughs) (laughs) So you got a great picture right there. You know, she's smart, she's rich, she's pretty, and everything has pretty much gone her way so far. Yeah, hasn't had many (laughs) troubles in her life so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so she... Uh, lives with her father, mm-hmm. who is <laughs> such a the quirky, most ridiculous, funny man. character. He like embodies everything you kind of think about people at this in this time. Yeah, where like 
if there's a wrong draft in the house, he's going to catch a cold and then be bedridden for and five just months. Be dead. Yeah, and then just die. <laughs> he kind of like is almost represents all that frailty that you imagine. Yeah, for from that this, time. Yeah, where he's kind of a recluse. Uh, he does go visit uh, people he knows and likes, but if there, if a party's gonna have more than eight people, like he gets very nervous. He couldn't imagine it. Like yeah. why? Why would anyone do that? <laughs> he likes to stay at home. He doesn't like change. Um, he relies on Emma, and she pretty much takes care of him yeah. completely. Um, and he's very nervous, very uh, a hypochondriac. Is always talking about his doctor Perry. Oh my god, famous <laughs> Doctor Perry in this story. Uh, uh, but Emma loves him, and he is a, a good and kind person deep down. Yeah, just like really annoying. Once you like get past all of his quirks, <laughs> and yeah, there's a lot of great humor that revolves around him. He's always trying to get people to eat gruel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like some kind of oatmeal thing. Yeah, like. Uh, perfectly normal food he's like no 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 that's not good for your disposition (laughs) one of my favorite parts of his was when they were talking about a party they were all at yeah and just talking about like all their interactions and the people they talked to and he was like yes 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 like uh it was quite a great evening at one point my legs got a little too warm by the fire so i moved my chair back and that was good and that was my night (laughs) (laughs) was like the most eventful aspect of his night to talk about it was hilarious (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, there's Mr. Knightley. Yes. Who is a complicated family friend Mm -hmm. where he's much older than Emma, but Emma's sister, Isabella, is married to Mr. Knightley's brother. Yeah. So they're like kind of brother-in-law but not really you don't think you're technically a brother-in-law if it's like that separated yeah that separated but kind of related but yeah uh he is a very good friend to her father stops in frequently kind of helps take care of him a bit yeah it's just like a very gentlemanly gentleman a knightly knight a a knightly mr knight (laughs) knightly knightly Exactly. Uh, so at the beginning of the story, um, Emma lives in this like kind of small village where there's a bunch of families that kind of just all visit each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, her governess, who practically raised her and then was a very close friend of hers, recently got married um, to this widow, this famous widower yeah. in, in the in the town. Um, and Emma kind of set them up or like tried to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It was like very encouraging of the match. Um, so now she's like, I'm a matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great scene early on, though, where she's talking to Mr. Knightley. Yeah. Who is kind of the only person who really calls her out on her shit. Yeah, exactly. Where she's kind of bragging about this matchmaking. Mr. Knightley's like, eh. How much did you really do, though? Like, how much would have just happened on its own? Yeah, like, like, they're two smart people. They have a lot in common. I think they would have gotten (laughs) together regardless. So that was a great scene right Mm -hmm. off the bat, like them kind of arguing over that. Yeah. But Emma clearly sees herself as this matchmaker. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I should find someone for Mr. Elton, who's the vicar, um, who is single. Yeah. And... Around this time, she happens to meet this lovely young girl named Harriet. Talk about clueless. (laughs) (laughs) I love Harriet. (laughs) She is so dumb. She is. She is very dumb. But she's very sweet sweet and very kind. And Emma, like, notices all these qualities in her. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unfortunately, Harriet uh, 
what, what, what was the term? I wasn't. So thinking. she's the natural daughter of somebody. Yeah. Which means she's a bastard. Yeah. Which I wasn't. That was a term like I wasn't totally familiar with. Mm-hmm. Same with like governess. Yeah. When that was used at the beginning, I'm like what's a governess? <laughs> like Adina. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> and I'm like, I've read so much fiction from the 1800s. I yeah. know exactly Let where we are. Let me fill you in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she kind of doesn't have much any kind of social status, I guess, because of this. Like, she doesn't know her family or her origins, and she attends this school Mm -hmm. that she lives at, basically. Uh, But Emma takes a liking to her, kind of notices all the good qualities of her, despite her not being the sharpest, (laughs) uh, and decides to be the matchmaker again. Yeah, and she sort of, like, adopts her. Yeah. Or takes her in as a pet, kind of. (laughs) Like a little project. Yeah, it's her project, where she's like, oh, I'm going to, like improve her i'll make her like i'll better her manners so she'll fit in with like society and then i'll find like a good match for her and i'll like elevate her out of this lower position yeah uh so she decides like oh maybe mr elton is a good match like yeah. she kind of starts figuring out like how to get them together maybe to get them talking and she starts to plant this idea in Harriet's head about Mr. Elton. Yeah. And it's sad, too, because Harriet already kind of has a guy. That she likes. Like a suitor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mr. Martin. Uh, Mr. Martin. And uh, he's kind of, he's a farmer. Mm-hmm. And Emma, because she's trying to lift Harriet in a social kind of way, lift her up. She's yeah. like, oh, no, don't. Don't like, associate he's, with he's him. He's a lowly person. Like, you don't mm-hmm. want to marry him. And she kind of. <laughs> Is real. <laughs> we really see Emma's shitty side, yeah, in this way, mm-hmm. where she really just kind of trash talks Martin and and Harriet is so uh, easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a very like steady character. Um, she's very easily influenced. Yeah, and of course Emma is like this very prominent figure in the community. She knows who she is. She's very beautiful. She's very rich. She's very powerful. So she's like, oh, Emma, like whatever you say is like has to be true. Yeah. You know, I'll follow like whatever you do. But also I don't really have opinions. So yeah. give them to me. <laughs> and Mr. Knightley in another great scene kind of explains like you are the worst like combination. Yeah. Like Harriet adores you and doesn't know any better. Yeah. And you're kind of too... In your own, like you have too much of an inflated ego. Yeah. And Harriet's not going to be the one to be like, hey, I think you might be thinking about this the wrong way. She's just going to be like, yes, everything you say. Yeah. <laughs> I just love how observant Mr. Knightley is throughout the entire story. And he has yeah. like, such a good judge of character. He does. Yeah. Like yeah. more so than Emma, even though Emma prides herself on, on that. being perceptive and being able to like tell what people are like and who they might like and who might be a good match. Yeah, and it turns out she does not. She's not she is not good at that. <laughs> the the um the wackiness though of her trying to get oh my Mr. God. Elton and Harriet together. together is so funny. Where she decides to try, she decides to do a painting of Harriet. Yeah, and I loved. <laughs> I love Emma being described this way, where like she kind of has these different fancies and like different projects, different um. Hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. And Jane Austen's so funny in the way she writes about it, where when she's going through her drawings and paintings, like some are half done, some with different mediums. And yeah. Jane Austen is like, 
the ones that were the least done were probably the best. (laughs) (laughs) But but Emma's like, I'm going to paint her and like make it a big thing. And she kind of brings in Mr. Elton Mm -hmm. to just kind of like see it and watch over. And comment like, oh, isn't she beautiful? Like, blah, blah, blah. And Mr. Elton is clearly very into this whole arrangement. Yeah, he likes it. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is the best. You've captured Harriet's beauty so well and like Mm -hmm. her likeness and... And meanwhile, Mr. Knightley's like, you made her too tall. <laughs> and Emma's like, I, I know I did, but I, I keep saying, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I love that part where they're all just gathered around her painting, all giving commenting. their, yeah, all commenting. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then at one point she's trying to get Harriet and Mr. Elton to like walk together, together. And she's trying to fall back and, like, tie her shoe. And at one point, she, like, breaks the lace of her shoe and, like... Throws it in the ditch. (laughs) So that she can be like, oh, no. Oh, my shoe. Go on without me, you two. (laughs) And Mr. Elton is very intense about the painting. And he's like, oh, we need to have it framed. Like, it's gorgeous. I'll personally see to it. And Emma's like, see, Harriet? Like, he's so in love with you. It's this whole thing. Um, This ends up kind of culminating in this party that they go to where Harriet actually gets really sick and can't go. And Emma is like, Oh, well, Mr. Elton, maybe you shouldn't go. And he's like, no, I'm still going to go. No, no, I totally want to (laughs) go. And she like, can't shake him. And she's like, don't you want to see how Harriet is maybe? And he's like, no, 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 no. She's fine. She's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they go to the party. The party is fine. But then on the way back, somehow Emma and Elton end up in the same carriage. Yeah, where Elton professes his undying love to Emma. To Emma, not to Harriet. Who is just horrified. And Emma's like, are you kidding me? Like, you think that you're good enough for me? And I was like, snap, snap. (laughs) Like, she was just, I love how she was just kind of like, to think that he could assume that I was like attainable to him, yeah. you know, like she she is above him. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Oh, but like all the things that Emma had been blind to and thought were like compliments to Harriet were more compliments mm-hmm. to her. Like the painting, he was so obsessed with the painting because Emma painted it, not because yeah. it was a painting of Harriet. And we kind of got an insight into this a little bit from Mr. Knightley earlier, yeah. where when Emma reveals her trying to match them together, Mr. Knightley's like, no, like... I don't think ha- Elton would be into No, Harriet. like Harriet's kind of like far beneath him in a social way, and Mr. Elton's kind of pompous in a lot of ways and like wouldn't jive with that. Yeah. And Emma, meanwhile, is like, no, 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 you haven't seen them together. Yeah, like he's so in love. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no. And it's interesting because... Emma has this like change of thinking where as long as she thinks Elton is into Harriet, she sees all his good parts. Yeah. She sees like how kind he is, how thoughtful, how charming. But then once she realizes that he's been trying to get her the whole time, she's suddenly like, oh no, he's materialistic. He's vain. Mm -hmm. He's pompous. He is, thinks himself too good, like better than he is. Yeah. um, Because of the difference in their situation. So it's really funny how illuminating this becomes and emma's yeah. like oh shit <laughs> well, and this was really where i appreciated jane austen as a writer because it was around this time like going to the party before it's revealed elton loves emma where yeah. i was kind of like realizing this was going to be the situation like 
oh, the you know, he loves the painting because she's doing it, not because yeah. it's about Harriet. And, and he I'm, wants to hang out with her uh-huh. at the party, not Harriet. And so I'm thinking I'm kind of ahead of the curve. Yeah. And then right around that point is when Jane Austen starts dropping hints, kind of outside of Emma's perspective. Yeah. Where she's kind of, you know, Jane Austen's describing her as being kind of ignorant to the way Mr. Elton is behaving. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so Jane Austen is clearly now... At this point, around the time I realized this, kind of filling us in. in. Mm -hmm. So she's clearly got a really great kind of handle on the storytelling and kind of knows when the reader is probably filled in on things and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of Emma's realization, dropping hints Rewards the reader. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, Yeah. a lot of reward for the reader. And this is around the time, too, that Knightley makes the comments to Emma about Elton, like, you know, casting doubt on everything Emma's been thinking. And that's what I like too. Cause like you're so in Emma's perspective, but then you do get these pullback moments where it's like, Oh, you know what? Maybe Emma is clueless. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see that. Yeah. And so kind of after this whole situation, it's just a terrible falling out where Mr. Elton is like, super awkward now because yeah. he got completely shut down completely shut down <laughs> and harriet is kind of mortified because she and, yeah, and, and, emma and, has to break the news yeah to harriet. and emma feels terrible because harriet wouldn't even have liked mr elton if she hadn't like planted the idea in her head to begin with yeah so it's kind of the whole it's a whole ordeal. thing and i appreciate in in this part where emma is very straight with herself and she's like this is all my fault like yeah. i messed up I was the one who thought I could bring these two people together and now Harry is heartbroken because of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she's pretty hard on herself, um, yeah. but not too hard because uh, <laughs> she's Emma. Yeah. Um, but she is sort of like, I'm never going to do this again. Like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't go through all this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we talk about Jane? Yeah. Jane Fairfax? Um, random character that pops in around this time is Jane Fairfax, and she is the niece of Miss Bates, who is an unmarried woman who takes care of her uh, yeah. elderly mother. And is kind of a family friend. Yeah, of uh, the Woodhouses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Bates is just this ridiculous character Yeah, who goes, she, she does not know when to shut up and just no. goes on these rambling stream of consciousness just will not stop like everything in in her head that she looks at she just starts talking yeah (laughs) and it's so funny because reading these paragraphs or listening to them yeah like you're clued into like what's actually happening in the plot just based on things she's saying and adina's holding up her book right now so clearly she wants to i so this goes on for like three straight pages so i'm just gonna read you a snippet yeah but it's it's insane so she says okay so very obliging of you. No rain at all. Nothing to signify. I do not care for myself. Quite thick shoes. And Jane <laughs> declares, well, well, this is brilliant indeed. This is admirable. Excellently contrived upon my word. Nothing wanting. Could not have imagined it. So well lighted up. Jane, Jane, look. Did you ever see anything? Oh, Miss, Mr. Weston, you must really have Aladdin's lamp. Good Mrs. Stokes would not know her own rooms again. I saw her as I came, came in. She was standing in the entrance. Oh, Mrs. Stokes, said I, but I had not time for more. Very well, I thank you, ma'am. I hope you are quite well. Very happy to hear it. So afraid you might have a headache, seeing you pass by so often, not knowing how much trouble you must have. Delighted to hear it indeed. And <laughs> on and on and on to the next person. Oh, Mrs. Elton, like talking to everyone. Yeah, you're like <laughs> clued into like 
kind of both sides of the conversation yeah that like going someone on. else must be speaking but you can only hear her yeah or like <laughs> oh yes let's all go to eat yes yeah. you know and like you're kind of figuring out like <laughs> what's happening in the plot just based on her rambling yeah it's really funny there's a part where she starts talking about baked apples yeah and i swear to god i i didn't know how many pages because i was listening to it on audiobook yeah but i'm like it's like halfway through the story i'm like is this the rest of the book? <laughs> like, is the rest of the book just going to be Miss Bates rambling about, like, baked apples? apples? <laughs> and it's like, how long will I listen to this before I turn it off? Before it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Miss Bates, even though she is very ridiculous, um, she's still like a, a kind person. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Um, and she has this niece, Jane, who is kind of um, poor. Her parents died. She's an orphan and she lives with her aunt and she spent some time with um, this family that kind of like raised her, but she has to become a governess to support herself and she hasn't done it yet, but she will. Yeah, essentially. And her and Emma kind of have, they they know each other from being kids and it's yeah. funny because Emma kind of has this like, what she essentially admits to is being like an un necessary rivalry with her or yeah. dislike of her mm-hmm. where she's like i don't know people expected us to be friends when we were younger because we were the same age but that was kind of annoying and yeah i don't know i guess that's it but <laughs> <laughs> but she kind of just doesn't like her and everyone loves jane she's very highly admired and i think emma might be a little jealous so yeah but i think she's kind of plain like emma tries talking to her and like getting info out of her about stuff and but she kind of is unyielding she's very reserved too yeah and emma doesn't respond well to people that <laughs> <laughs> aren't really friendly with her. Yeah, so. she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So around this time, uh, the elusive Frank Churchill shows up. And yes. I think this is where we're going to stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to change over and talk about Clueless. Yes. So if you're a fan of Clueless and don't care about Jane Austen, now's your time. Now's the time to start playing the podcast again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been skipping ahead, now's the part where we're talking about Clueless. Yes. Uh, what can I say about this movie except that I fucking love it? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so good. It's so funny. It's so like all of the dialogue in this movie is hilarious. Yeah. All of it. It's, it's so, oh God, I don't know. It's like so timeless in a way, like the humor of it. It's both like so incredibly dated to the nineties with like a lot of that quirky, weird kind of '90s humor, yeah. Uh, but then also like a lot of the dialogue is just really good and timeless and like funny, regardless. It is. It's so funny. Um, we need to talk about. So Cher is the Emma character played yes. by Alicia Silverstone. Uh, <laughs> the outfit that she wears to school on that first, yeah, the first time we is see that the her. yellow plaid one. Yes. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so cute and she has those like over the knee socks mm-hmm. and uh it's like so iconic yeah the fashion in this is like super unique like it's it's still very 90s but i mean for for them it's good yeah the guys are yeah like it's not good Nothing. for the most part <laughs> uh but all the women in this movie dress you know amazingly and plus like if you weren't aware of how timeless this movie is Literally just last night, I was looking through my Instagram stories 
And a girl I know posted a picture of her in a yellow plaid outfit and was like, oh, just call me Cher, whatever. Horowitz. Horowitz, you know, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so iconic. And this movie is such a, like, cultural phenomenon. Also, like, it's so ingrained in the 90s. It is. Like, if they made a movie now set in the 90s, and parodied the 90s and with a with the goal of like being as 90s pop culture as possible it could not outdo this movie no i know it's aggressively 90s like to the, this the movie includes and is not limited to Marky Mark, which is Mark Wahlberg when he was a rapper, by oh the way, God. Uh, referring to Marky Mark. There's Beavis and Butthead on TV, Ren and Stimpy on TV. They would talk about the real world. Uh, Christian Slater was hot. Oh, my God. Uh, being a Baldwin meant you were hot. Uh, there's a workout VHS segment. Uh, and oh, also Buns of Steel. Buns of Steel. And also a uh, dance featuring ska music. Oh, my God. Wow. And, pro- and so much more. Uh, but yeah, just insanely. And the opening credits are just such a contrast of primary neon colors. <laughs> I thought I might have a stroke. <laughs> and all the songs are very 90s, oh, too. Yeah. yeah, it's it's such a world. And, you know, Cher lives in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and she's very rich, just like Emma. And her dad is a lawyer. He's very uh, angry and yelling all the time, but he has a heart of gold. I love him. Yeah, he. I love the relationship where she's always kind of taking care of him and, you know, being yeah, attentive to him. Trying and, to get him to eat healthy, and he's, like, very gruff and not responding well to it. Yeah. Uh, but I really like the trade-off of setting and characters where, like, you know, in, in the novel, Emma, we have kind of this actual class structure. Yeah. But that's traded off for like a high school popularity hierarchy. Yeah. And, and it does work. It does. It totally does. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of reinforces the timeliness of the novel too, where you're like, yeah, this stuff so easily applies to different settings. Yeah. And even though we don't have these like rigid social structures, like we still adhere to them in our society so often. Yeah. You know, where mm-hmm. Cher might be like, uh, who are you to like ask me out? That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, they do kind of set her up as being wealthy. So like that does set her apart. Yeah. In one way. Um, so Cher ends up setting up her two teachers, kind of like yeah. Emma does with her governess. Um, but while the governess situation happens off the page in the book, um, we get to see this romance setup situation unfold in the movie. Yeah, and mainly for the uh, effect of her getting better grades. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but it is cute, Miss Geist and Mister Hall. Miss Geist looks like a fucking who from Whoville. She does. Maybe it's the glasses. I think it's the big glasses and her kind of small nose, and it like accentuates that. And, yeah. But I, yeah, she just <laughs> looks. Inhuman almost, like her level of like kind of cute weirdness. Yeah. Oh, and Cher's best friend Dion, who yes. also has outrageous hats. <laughs> Great, yeah. The whole movie is outrageous hats. And she could be compared to Mrs. Winston. Weston. Weston. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Weston from Emma, the story. Yeah. I mean, just mm-hmm. that they're friends. Yeah, and, and they talk and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then we get the arrival of her. Former uh, brother-in-law, oh, Josh. Yeah. yeah, not stepbrother. 
Stepbrother, what'd I say? Brother-in-law. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Her former stepbrother, Josh. Yeah. I love how... So he's the Mr. Knightley character. Yes. Um, the love interest. And I love how similarly complicated their, like, dynamic is. Like, their relationship. Yeah. Because, like, you know, in Emma... He's like sort of her brother-in-law, but also not her brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then in Clueless, Josh is sort of her stepbrother, but not her stepbrother. Yeah, what were the specifics of their having been brother and sister? So her dad was married to his mom yeah. for a time and then they got divorced. Okay. Yeah. I, I just kind of forget like for how long or what age they were. Um, I don't, I think it was like five years ago is what they say. Okay. But, and I don't think it was for very long. Yeah. Cher's dad like really took to Josh and he has a famous line where he's like, you divorce uh, partners, not children or something. (laughs) So Josh is just kind of still around. Yeah. And he's in college. And I I really like how, you know, this movie kind of lampoons uh, the goofiness of high school and, and the shallowness of it. But Josh also kind of lampoons the shallowness of college where yeah, someone you think the pseudo intellectualism yeah, of college. He's like super aware of uh, what's going on in third world countries in the political yeah. ecosystem of everything that's going on and kind of sees himself as being uh, well uh uh, just kind of educated on that stuff. Yeah, where Cher is like a stereotype of a shallow high schooler. Josh is a stereotype of like a hipster college student. Yeah, <laughs> so I liked his role. Mm-hmm. At one point, he's just growing a goatee. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he just looks awful. And Cher calls him uh, chin pubes. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, uh, as many of you know, Josh is played by Paul Rudd. Yes. Who... He looks the same. Has not aged <laughs> He looks the same. A god, his voice, his voice is much more noticeably different than his looks. Yeah. He basically looks the same as yeah. he did. It's it's strange. Like his face is you can tell it's a little younger, but it's basically the same. And like I I would I would not be surprised if Paul Red like, you know, has botox injections oh, yeah. or like, yeah. you know, whatever, it's Hollywood. But like Still, there's genetics involved, too, because you can't maintain that. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so similarly to how uh, Harriet shows up in the novel Emma, we get Ty, an equally clueless kind of dumb new girl showing up (laughs) to school. Mm -hmm. And Cher decides to take her under her wing and kind of raise her up in the hierarchy of, of school of school yeah yeah when we first meet ty she's very clearly like a stoner girl mm-hmm. um got the flannel the baggy clothes that type of thing uh she hits it off right right away with this um other stoner skater dude uh travis yeah um but He's basically the martin of this story. yeah yeah but Cher immediately is like you don't want to, you just got to this school. You don't want to hang out with like that loser. Yeah. Like, don't you want to hang out with us? And so of course Ty is like, oh yeah, of course. Like you guys know best. Like you guys are popular. Um, so Cher decides to give Ty a makeover and there's this great scene where they're doing like doing the clothes, <laughs> the makeup. It's uh-huh. great. Yeah. And then she thinks, oh, who is a good match for her? And she picks the only character who keeps Has the his same name, name, Elton. Elton. <laughs> Just kind of a guy who's in their social circle who recently broke up with someone. Yeah. So she starts kind of trying to put them together in the same way where, like, there's kind of a photo thing mm-hmm. where she took 
uh, Ty's photo and he wants the photo. So that's kind of the, the, the painting, painting yeah. situation. Although it's weirder because he like hangs that picture up in his locker. Yeah, it's the like, context, it, it, it seems the same, but it doesn't quite translate. Not quite. <laughs> uh, and I guess this all culminates when they go to a party, right? Yeah. They go to this party. It's actually a Christmas party, which you can see by all the decorations yeah. and stuff. Um, it's just weird because it's L.A., so there's like not I know, there's no snow, snow, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Cher is trying to set up Ty and Elton during this whole party, and it doesn't really work out. Um, and then at the end of the party, kind of like in the book Emma, Cher has to ends up in the car with Elton. Yeah. On her own. <laughs> Where Elton reveals his love for her, tries kissing her and yeah. she ends up having to leave the car. Yeah. And she's like, no, you know, I wanted you to be with Ty. And if he, he is like Ty, like, I don't care about Ty. Ty He's like, is do like, you know who my father is? <laughs> yeah. Ty is beneath me. It's the same like social structure. Yeah. Rearing its head. And he's like, come on, you know, like you're into me. He repeatedly tries to kiss her, especially like when she said no. Uh, and so she gets out of the car because she's like, I'm not dealing with this. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, come on, get back in the car. And she's like, no, you're an asshole. And then he's like, fine. And just drives away, leaves her abandoned on the side of the road. Where she gets mugged and it's so sad. Oh my God. But it, Poor it's, Cher. it's sad because I like don't want to laugh at the scene because it so is so funny. But though. like I love Cher gives this like whine yeah. when she's upset about something. <laughs> <laughs> and she like doesn't even want to lay on the ground to like yeah. ruin her dress. Uh but then she eventually has to she can't go back to the party. She doesn't want to call her dad. So she ends up turning to Josh. Yeah. She gives him a call and he mm-hmm. comes out to pick her up. Yeah. And there's a good scene in the car when, when they're driving back where uh, Josh's also equally kind of pompous girlfriend yeah. is talking about <laughs> Hamlet, uh-huh. I think it is. Yeah. And she she quotes something from Hamlet and then Cher in the back seat pipes up and is like, actually, Hamlet didn't say that. I believe that was Polonius. Polonius. <laughs> and <laughs> and kind of shuts yeah, her down. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I think I remember Hamlet. And then, yeah, Cher's like, no, I remember. <laughs> like, fuck and, you. And I love Josh driving because he's kind of like smirking. Yeah. And kind of laughing about it. And <laughs> just Cher's like weird. Uh, like she's smart about some things. And then. Willfully, willfully ignorant about others. Yeah. Like, she's clearly an intelligent person, but just kind of only where she chooses to apply it. One of my favorite parts of the story, too, is Cher's midterm grades that she gets. Oh, yeah. And then her dad uh, sees her report card, and, like, all her grades are changed to better. And he's like, what? what is this? What did you do? Did you turn in, like, extra homework? What did you do? You know? And he's, she's like, no, I didn't turn anything in. They just changed my grades. And he's, like, so proud of her. He's like, you got them to change your grades from a C to an A minus just on arguing. <laughs> he's, like, so, as a lawyer, he's, like, yeah. so proud of her ability to argue. It's great. <laughs> and and there's a scene later on where she's talking to him. And she's like, Daddy, have you ever had, like, a, a situation you haven't been able to argue your way out of? And he's just like, what's the situation? And we'll figure out how to argue it. <laughs> He's amazing. I know. He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, kind of a similar falling out with Ty. Yeah. 
and Elton. And there's actually no Jane Fairfax equivalent in this no. story. Mm-mm. There's no Jane substitute. Yeah. Or like a Miss Bates either. No. Yeah. That whole kind of family situation is completely devoid from this mm-hmm. adaptation. This inspired by. Yes. You know story mm-hmm. reimagining <laughs> reimagining that's the word i was trying to think of although it the plot is so it follows much, it so well yeah that i you know you kind of have to call it an adaptation i feel yeah even though it feels so different yeah it feels totally different yet so so similar <laughs> all right transition back to emma yes so around this point in the story emma yeah we get the arrival of frank churchill mm-hmm. who frank is actually the son of that widower that Emma's governess married. Yeah. And he's kind of finally like reunited with his his actual dad mm-hmm. now that he's married, I guess, and is yeah. like kind of settled down. Yeah, because he was raised by an aunt. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's Emma's age. Yeah. And so he shows up and Emma is, before he even gets there, very interested by him. Yeah, she's always been fascinated by Frank because... um he is this elusive figure. Nobody's met him, but everyone's always talking about him. He's her, around her age. She's heard that he's handsome. So she's like, I don't know. Maybe I'd fall in love with him or something. Whatever. It seems like a good match. <laughs> I don't know if we've mentioned it, but Emma doesn't have really any interest in marrying anyone. No. At the moment, she's kind of, I don't know, not really, not thought, not not thought of it. Yeah. But just doesn't have much of an interest and can't really see herself marrying anyone. But she thinks if she could... It might be this Frank guy, even though she hasn't met him yet, but then she meets him. And Frank is very charming. Yeah. He is just, like, charming and a half. And very fun. complimenting everyone. He's very witty, silly. Um, He's always joking with Emma, flirting with her a lot, showing her a lot of attention. And, of course, Emma's like, hell yeah, I deserve this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they they get on very well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at one point he ends up having to leave after his visit with her. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because then Emma on reflecting, she's like, I don't, you know, he's very nice. I really like him. But she's just like, I just don't think there's any chemistry. Yeah. And she says like she enjoyed when she's with him. But then when he leaves, she's like, yeah, I mean, I kind of missed his company, but I wasn't like heartbroken, you know, yeah. like I have my own life. And so I must not really be in love. And you said you really liked that. I did. I liked that she was able to self-reflect and to just be like, oh, you know what? I really just kind of like the attention (laughs) more than anything. Like he's fun to be around. He's very charming and very like compliments me, very flirty. And I like that. But really, there's no actual connection there. Yeah. She has such a good understanding of her own thoughts and feelings and stuff and doesn't get too caught up in you know, being uh, wooed by him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I also like that about Emma, that kind of understanding of herself. Yeah. Uh, The arrival of Mrs. Elton. Oh, yes. So after Mr. Elton is shut down very coldly by Emma, it's great. 
Uh, he <laughs> goes away and is uh, gone for a couple months and he comes back with a wife. Yeah, he's like, I got married. Yeah. Which I didn't even realize at first that he had gotten married. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was, oh, his bride, like, he met this woman and they're engaged. And, but like, oh no, he fucking they're, yeah, they're already married. married. It's been like two months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so everyone is talking about who's this Mrs. Elton. They're so excited to meet her. Mm-hmm. And she ends up being the most. The, just the worst person. <laughs> yeah, no, I think she's the actual villain of the story. Yeah. Um, because like we said, most of the characters, even though they're annoying, they have like good parts to them. Mrs. Elton doesn't really have anything going for her. No. She's very vain. She thinks very highly of herself. She's always interfering in people, other people's business and thinks herself kind of above her station, which in Jane Austen's world, to think yourself above the social status that you are is like a high crime. Yeah. And very transparent in her just trying to get people to like her. Yeah. You know, she immediately with Emma is like, oh, we should start uh, a, a, a music club, club, a music club together. Yeah. And Emma's like, uh, I don't as know if. you. Yeah. <laughs> as if. As if. I think that's the wrong. We're talking about the book. Ian. Well, I don't know. What, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just expressing who Emma is as a person. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she does not have, and I was curious, uh, in this story, whether she would be redeemed by any kind of qualities, but not she's really. not really. Yeah. And, and we really do see also kind of an equal turn, Mr. Elton, uh, become like his true shittiness yeah. come to the and surface. And this is like an important aspect of the book is that, um, the person that you end up with can like really affect your personality. Yeah. Like depending on who you end up spending time with or who you end up marrying, it can either take your personality and your character into a good direction or into a bad direction. Yeah. And you see this with Mr. Elton where he had a lot of faults, but maybe if he was with someone like kind of had a better heart and was like a good person, he would have been drawn towards that goodness. But instead he married Mrs. Elton and now he's like a total ass. Yeah, and it's funny, we get a scene between Mr. Knightley and Emma where they're both kind of talking about when she tried to set up Harriet with Mrs. Elton. Yeah. And once Mr. Knightley got to know Harriet a little bit better, he's like, you know, she is actually a pretty sweet girl, and I'm sorry I didn't trust you. And also, she probably would have been a better match yeah, for, for Mr. Elton, Elton than like yeah. what he chose for himself. Mm-hmm. And in turn, Emma's like, yeah, well, Ms. clearly Mr. Elton was a huge shit and you could see that and, and I, I couldn't. Didn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just like that scene between them and coming together and, you know, coming to terms with that. Yeah, I do too. Um, so around this time, there's this really fancy ball that mm-hmm. they all go to. Frank's there. And, um, there's a sad scene where everyone's dancing and Harry is the only one that doesn't have a partner mm-hmm. at one point. And Mr. Elton is clearly free and he's not dancing. And he like walks around like he could dance with her, but chooses not to. Yeah. And then even like Mrs. Weston says something like, oh, why don't you dance? Like, I see that Harry is here. And he's like, no, no, I I would never dance. Like within earshot of her. Yeah. And like Mrs. Elton is dancing during it and she kind of keeps looking at him and like they're clearly like doing it to spite Harriet. Yeah. And you can tell Harriet's just super embarrassed. And Emma is like currently dancing so she can't do anything i love that all this is happening on the dance floor. i know <laughs> <laughs> um but then mr knightley stands up and dances with harriet and he like never dances no. at these things but he does it 
one to save Harriet for embarrassment and two to help Emma. Yeah. And it's just such a sweet moment. And he's like a really good dancer. And yeah. suddenly Harriet's just overjoyed and is having a great time. And Emma just. Emma's so proud of him. Yeah. And it's just reminded of like what a good, proper, like gentleman he is. Yeah. And just a great person. Yeah. And Mr. Knightley is my favorite character in this whole story. He is. He's which great. is kind of easy to say because he's kind of like faultless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in a good, I don't know. I just love that he's kind of a no bullshit kind of yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, and is very upfront with who he is and like his thoughts and opinions, mm-hmm. but is deep down very thoughtful. Yeah. And kind. Yeah. He hates Frank Churchill. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, hates Frank. I love that. Which is great because you kind of know that it's, Partially because he's jealous, mm-hmm. but of course he doesn't really know that. So he has all these excuses as to why he hates Frank. Um, but you know, it's interesting to contrast them because you have Frank who's super charming is kind of like overly complimenting of everyone. Very smooth, a smooth yeah. operator where Mr. Knightley is very more reserved, um, polite, but like doesn't always try to get people to like him. No, he's just himself. And Frank is also can be kind of mean spirited. Yeah. He and Emma like often joke about Jane and Emma has these like wild theories about Jane possibly being into like this guy that she knew. She has all these like crazy theories that she tells Frank and he like kind of teases Jane about them. Yeah. To her face. And Frank has been weirdly upfront about not thinking Jane is that attractive. Yeah. Because a lot of people do think she's very pretty and he's like, nah, she's too fair and like pale and I'm not into it. And so, yeah, but I I, I like this aspect of because, you know, Frank seems so charming and perfect. Right? Yeah. What are his downfalls? Like yeah. what what isn't great about him? And we kind of see with him spending time with Emma that he can be mean spirited. Yeah. He can kind of be like a little too into the joke of something. Yeah. A little too full of himself. And mm-hmm. he pulls Emma into that also. Yeah. And that goes back to like, depending on the company you keep, you can like fall into like better habits or worse. And Emma does kind of sink a little bit when she hangs out with Frank. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting to contrast Knightley and Frank. Yeah, and, and to see how Emma changes between them. Yeah. There's a really great part in the story where they all go kind of on this outing together and yeah. the mood's kind of down and then Frank in all his kind of manic energy is, you know, live making everyone lively again. And uh they talk to Miss Bates and Emma kind of disses her in front yeah. of everyone and she's and, the one that talks constantly yeah miss bates is the one who never stops talking mm-hmm. and emma it kind of says as much in front of her and it's in a subtle way that miss bates doesn't even get right off the bat yeah so that almost makes it worse kind of that it's like she almost thinks she's too dumb to understand this insult yeah this like witty kind of sly barb that yeah. she throws at her and i remember thinking it seemed really shitty yeah but then no one said anything especially mr knightley who i thought would mm-hmm. uh, but things kind of continue but then when they're leaving uh mr knightley confronts emma Yeah. And basically just shuts her down over it. And Mm -hmm. I loved it. Yeah. And I just want to read you like a little portion of it. Yeah, go for it. Because it's so good. Um, So he says, um, 
Were she a woman of fortune, I would leave every harmless absurdity to take its chance. I would not quarrel with you for any liberties of manner. Were she your equal in situation, but Emma, consider how far this is from being the case. She is poor, she has sunk from the comfort she was born to, and if she lives to old age, must probably sink more. Her situation should secure your compassion. It was badly done indeed. You, whom she had known from an infant, whom she had seen grown up from a period when her notice was an honor, to have you now in thoughtless spirits and the pride of the moment laugh at her, humble her, and before her niece, too, and before the others. Um, it's not ple- pleasant to you, Emma, and it's very far from pleasant to me. And it's just like, uh, it's so real, and it just like, he says it, and Emma feels it so strongly, and she's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And on like the carriage ride back, she's just crying because she feels like so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And this is just, I don't know, a relatable thing. Yeah. You know, you say someone to something kind of in the moment and don't realize how thoughtless thoughtless and mean it is Mm -hmm. until later and you just regret it so badly. And like, I think it's admirable of Knightley to be like, no, you like you fucked up. Like you should feel bad about this. And like, you should remember that even though she can be ridiculous, like you should like feel compassion towards her, you know? Yeah. You're in a high place of like power and money and social status. Yeah. And she's not, Mm -hmm. and you're kind of abusing your power. Yeah. Which is something that is still very, very timely. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Knowing where you come from and knowing your privilege. Mm -hmm. And Emma is like very ashamed of what she's done and has a lot of soul searching kind of after this Mm -hmm. and is like, I really need to become better and like I'm I'm better than this. I know I am. And Knightley knows I'm better and I I feel so bad that I disappointed him cuz she values yeah. his opinion really highly. And kind of after this she tries to like visit the the Bateses and yeah. kind of make her amends and tries to do better. And really appreciates them after that. And yeah. It's very sweet. It's it's a really great character moment for Emma. It is. And also really highlights kind of a bad influence Frank is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and and also shows that Emma is young, you know, she's yeah. 21 and yeah. very influenceable and prone to kind of lapsing back into immaturity. Yeah, exactly. She's becoming a woman. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. still becoming one basically. Yeah. There's a really weird episode around this time too, <laughs> where Harriet gets attacked by gypsies. Yeah. So, there's surprisingly not a lot of problematic things Shockingly. in this book for it being 200 years old, but one of them is this scene where Harriet <laughs> is attacked by attacked by gypsies and like kind of faints and Frank rescues her. Yeah. And another problematic thing is when Jane is talking about how she has to become a governess and she compares it to slavery. Yeah. But to be fair, one of the other characters is like, I don't think it's quite like slavery. Sure. (laughs) And also, I would imagine that people, like white rich people at this point, probably compared everything to slavery that they didn't like. Oh my God. (laughs) I have to do this thing. What am I, a slave? They say in front of their slaves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But besides that, like this gypsy part is just like, what is this? This is like a racist plot device. Yeah, they're like begging for money and like demanding the money and... (laughs) It's like gypsy children that are just attacking. Yeah, Harriet. and Harriet's just like, ah, ah, like her, <laughs> the vapors get to her, and yeah. But then Emma, Harriet confesses to Emma that she's kind of in love with someone, mm-hmm. and Emma thinks that it's Frank, and she's like, 
I'm not into Frank, but maybe Harriet and Frank could be together. But to be fair to Emma, she's like, my matchmaking days are over. And she tells Harriet, she's like, okay, like, I kind of know who you're talking about, but we're not going to talk about it anymore. And I'm just going to give you advice. Like, be very cautious, kind of like go by his, how he treats you and respond to that. Like, I don't want you to get your heart broken again, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And there are so many, so many cross like suspicions about yeah. who likes who and what's going on. And and just to like, not that we are going to, for the sake of like understanding or trying to convey it, but like just so you get the, an idea, mm-hmm. like uh, Mrs. Uh, Weston thinks that uh, Mr. Knightley likes Jane for a couple of reasons. And Emma's like, no way. There's no way that's going to happen. And then at one point she sees Mr. Knightley talking to Harriet and Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, what's going on there? Like, I'm not sure I like that. Yeah. And oh God, what are other ones? And she thinks so she thinks that Harriet likes Frank. Yeah, she She thinks thinks Harriet likes Frank. Frank might like Harriet. And then Mr. Knightley tells Emma one time, he's like, is there something going on between Frank and Jane? Yeah. And Emma's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But he's like, they just seem like they have some kind of inside joke going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of like, what's going on? It's just a lot of young single people and like everyone <laughs> thinking everyone's into everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Emma being like still very like not good at seeing people's like actual motives and what they're into. <laughs> and, and the only person's opinion who I trusted was Mr. Knightley's because yeah. he's just very perceptive. He is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of like a, a glimpse of the web of uh, sexual tension between everyone. <laughs> And then these webs do get resolved. We find out that Frank and Jane have been secretly engaged this whole time. Yep. So while Frank was like openly and very like publicly flirting with Emma, he was engaged to Jane the whole time. And and we knew that they he knew who she was before like he had even gotten to Highbury. Yeah. And and that's kind of what where his like you know, he acted like she wasn't that hot Yeah, kind of thing came from was like he knew her. Yeah. Uh, But it was like, dang, I would have hated to be Jane and just watch the guy that you love just like absolutely throwing himself all over this other girl. Yeah. And it's very weird. It's kind of a whole weird situation. And there is like fallout because of it in the story. Yeah. Like at one point, Jane's basically like, I fucking had it. I'm going to go be a governess. Yeah. And Frank kind of has to backtrack and like settle everything. Yeah. Because he was kind of a shit. Yeah. And they had to be secretly engaged because his aunt didn't approve. But then his aunt conveniently dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then they're like, okay, we're actually like, we can go public with our engagement. We're getting married now. And everyone's Mm -hmm. like, the fuck? Like, and I think a lot of people feel betrayed because Frank kind of came in and so did Jane and they like lied to everyone the whole time. Yeah. And even though Jane, I'm sorry, even though Emma uh, didn't like Frank back really for the most part, she was still kind of insulted. She's like, well, what if I did? What if I was in love with him because he showed me all this attention? Like, yeah. And at one point, Frank kind of says like, I detected that Emma didn't like me, which is the only reason I took it as far as I did. And, and I'm like, that's a lot to go on for assumption. Like, yeah. you're risking a lot to do that. It's hard to say how perceptive he actually was or if he's just kind of taking that for granted. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a huge reveal in the <laughs> huge story. Huge reveal. Another huge reveal. Harriet reveals to Emma that, no, she wasn't talking about being in love with Frank. She's in love with Mr. Knightley. Yeah. And then Emma's like, what? 
right? Yeah. And is so upset, upset and taken aback. And she has to think about it. And she's like, why am I so upset? I don't understand. And then she's like, oh, wait, no, I understand. I love him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, my God, I'm in love with Mr. Knightley. Mm-hmm. I've been in love with him this whole time. And I just haven't noticed. And now once someone else tries to get at him, I'm like, fuck, no, <laughs> get like, away. Listen, from him. Harriet, I know you've had your heart broken like four times <laughs> in this entire three, like this three month span. Yeah. But I'm shutting this down now. Yeah. Um, and it's great because Emma just has this revelation and it's just like, oh, my God, I, I do love him and I can't stand for him to be with anyone but me. Yeah. And then we get this great scene where they're kind of walking and talking. Mm-hmm. And it starts out where Mr. Knightley thinks he finds out about the whole Frank situation and yeah. thinks Emma Emma's heart might be broken because he, he thinks that Frank, you know, misled her and she might have been in love with him. And she's like, no, I actually never really loved Frank. And yeah. he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> because I love you. <laughs> yeah. And it almost like it kind of slips out in a way he like yeah. wasn't even expecting it or aware of it himself even. But it just kind of spills out almost. Yeah. And it's just really sweet and nice. And they both like each other. Yeah. And what's also sweet is that Emma's like, I can't leave my father. Yeah. Because he relies on her and she's like, even we couldn't even like move to your house. Like the two of us, like Mm -hmm. he can't stand change. And Mr. Knightley is like, you know what? Like we'll give up my house. And until like your father dies, we'll live in your house. Cause I I, I want us to be married. I don't want us to be separate. Like let's be married together and I'll just have to be with your father all the time, which is a huge sacrifice. Mr. Knightley is so pure and so good. (laughs) Like the fact that he's willing to give up because he has his own huge fucking beautiful mansion. Yeah. It's like full of fields of strawberries and is perfect. (laughs) And he's like, no, but I'll come and live here. Yeah. uh, To be with you. And so I know you're devoted to your father and I don't want to take that away. And he cares about her father too. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny because even though they're like, Bending over backwards to make this work. Yeah. Her dad is still like, oh, no. He hates when people get married. I don't like change and <laughs> marriage. And, and it's so funny because they just kind of like fast forward through his slow Evolution. acceptance. Yeah. Of this where one day he's like, this is the worst thing ever. And then one day he's like, I mean, it's going to happen regardless, I guess. And then one day he's like, I mean... It seems like it might not be the worst thing. (laughs) Just his slow acceptance of the situation. Yeah. Also, meanwhile, Harriet ends up meeting up with Mr. Martin again. And he's like, I still love you. And she's like, that's enough to convince me. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, get me off this ride. (laughs) And then they end up together. And you're like, wow, Harriet. What a time you've had. <laughs> round and round and round back to the beginning. And she's like, hey, Mr. Martin. <laughs> yeah, this sounds great. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> so and that kind of basically wraps everything up neatly. Yeah, Everyone gets to bang somebody. Yes. Is basically <laughs> what we come down to. Exactly. Uh, my only big complaint slash a weird feeling is just I love Mr. Knightley. Yeah. Um, but he is a good bit older than Emma. Yes. And we do have to discuss that because Emma's 21 and he's like 37. Yeah. So that's a 16 year difference. And like has been around for like her entire growing up. Yeah. Or a lot of it anyway. Yeah. 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 From like and what does he say? Something about like So he makes a joke. 
Okay. And it's a joke <laughs> where he says, I've been in love with you since you're 13, which yeah. is very creepy and weird, <laughs> but yeah. it's a joke because he was like, he was like kind of commenting on like her personality and how much she like he cares for her and loves her. And he's like, so I must have been in love with you since 13 at least. But he's like joking. Yeah, but it's just touching on the uncomfortable <laughs> it truth. It is. It's uncomfortable. And especially because Emma's acknowledging the fact that she has grown to become the person she is partly because of him. Yes. Like he was a good influence on her, her. Yeah. which isn't bad but it kind of highlights that in some circumstances it could be considered grooming yeah uh, which is like when older men kind of ingratiate themselves with younger women and kind of get them gain their trust and then sexually abuse them uh a real life example of that possibly right now is drake yeah texting millie bobby brown who's no. 14 so you know that still happens but i mean i think we're meant to believe that Emma was unaware of her love for Knightley this whole time. And that also Mr. Knightley was unaware of his love for Emma the whole time as well, that they both kind of discovered it around this time. Um, And that they did care for each other before, but, and, and this also was a different time. So yeah, it's like everyone's intentions are good. Yeah. And you know, Emma's still 21. She, you know, uh, even though the age difference is, big she Mm -hmm. you know is an adult at this point but she definitely holds her own with Knightley absolutely like it's never like he he's never overpowering her and even when he scolds her um you know it's not like she always listens to what he says yeah (laughs) so yeah so everyone has the best intentions and we see that so it, it it gets a pass in this instance. Yeah. But there's just still that, that little element. There's of. an uncomfortableness to it to yeah. an extent. <laughs> but that's Emma. That's Emma. Okay. Clueless. Back to Clueless. Back to Clueless. Okay, Clueless fans, you can stop scrubbing <laughs> forward. We're back to Clueless. We're back to Clueless. Um, so Elton and Elton tried to hit on Cher. It went it fell apart. Yeah. And now Christian arrives on the scene, who is this version's the version of Frank. <laughs> yeah, Frank Churchill. Yeah. And Christian's kind of this Italian looking young guy who's yeah. handsome. Someone said like he looks like he's trying to fill a vacancy in the rat pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's good looking. He's charming. Mm-hmm. He can dance. And so Sherry's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll give this a shot. I'll yeah. try this. Yeah. And she's willing to uh, kind of give this a shot with him because mm-hmm. so. she doesn't date high school boys no that's but like her, now yeah. she's like oh i'll make an exception for christian because he's the best um so they like you know go out on a few dates uh her dad has this great line where he's like <laughs> you need to take care of her i have a 45 and a shovel i doubt anyone would miss you <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those lines where like i hate the overprotective father trope yeah but this isn't so in character with this dad yeah like, he's earned it and he delivers the line in such a great way it's so funny yeah so they go to a uh a dance together mm-hmm. to the club the club the, the ska band the club yeah where we get the, <laughs> the ska band and this acts as the ball from the novel yeah where ty the Harriet character is mm-hmm. left with no one to dance with. Yeah. And Josh, the Mr. Knightley character, yeah. uh, shows up and ends up dancing with her. And yeah. it's equally sweet in this mm-hmm. where he, Paul Rudd is being 
charming Paul Rudd and, yeah. you know, uh, helps her out. And he also happens to notice in the Some perceptive way <laughs> that uh, Christian might not be totally uh, pl- straight. playing for the same team. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally straight. There's a part in this scene where Christian goes up to uh, Cher. Yeah. And I, I forget what they're even talking about. Oh, they're talking about because Elton is dancing with Amber. Oh, yeah. Who is kind of the, the, Mrs. the Elton. Mrs. Elton of this story. But when he walks up to Cher and they're talking, I swear to God, he has, he is 5,000% gayer. Yeah. Because <laughs> she asked him to comment on Amber and he like cocks his hip, puts down his glasses and says like some sassy remark about her. And it was just like, wow, OK. <laughs> <laughs> He's really cranked it up <laughs> since we last saw him. Yeah. But of course, Cher is still completely clueless. Uh huh. <laughs> Whoa! We probably mentioned we probably said the word clueless as many times as the movie Clueless does. They say at this it a point. lot. <laughs> they do. They, everyone is clueless, and they talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's so sad because Cher decides that she wants to like lose her virginity to him, <laughs> and she invites him over. And, and they're gonna watch Sporadicus. Sporadicus <laughs> as Cher. Spartacus. Spartacus. (laughs) And it's so sad because Christian's just watching the sweaty male bodies on screen and is like totally disinterested and shares. And shares trying to hit on him. It's kind of sad to watch because you feel bad for her. You do. And then he kind of notices what's going on and leaves. And shares just like heartbroken. She's like, what did I do? Like, Mm -hmm. what did I do wrong? Then there's this great scene where <laughs> she's in the car with Dion and Dion's boyfriend, Murray, who we haven't really talked about, but he's also great. Um, and they're driving and she's talking about the, what happened. She's like, I'm not sure what happened. Like everything was going well. And then Murray's like, what are you talking about? Christian? He's gay. <laughs> and I love that. It's not just Cher, like Dion as well. They're both like, what? And then they're like, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I just love the idea that the only man in school who is like well dressed enough and classy enough and can dance well enough to date Cher is probably gay. (laughs) (laughs) Like kind of like, of course, like if that's the guy she's going for. Yeah. There's a much higher chance. Yeah. And then, of course, Dion accidentally gets on the freeway. Everyone is screaming. There are motorcycles, trucks. It's an intense scene. I love this part. It's so funny and it drags out for so long. Yeah. And I especially love that there's no music in it. Yeah. This seems like the kind of scene, especially in like a cheesy 90s movie, that they'd have like wacky, yeah. goofy or dated music to. Mm-hmm. But there's no music and it just makes it so much funnier. Yeah. And, and Cher has such a great line where <laughs> when they survive this whole horrific ordeal and like and get off the freeway. Yeah. Cher's like, wow. Like she's like getting off the freeway has made me realize how important love is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, too, because it seems like a very L.A. specific thing. Yeah. Like if you're a new driver, you probably do not want to get on the freeway at all. No, like it's probably no. horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, so what else is going on? What else happens at this point? Um, so 
Ty has this experience where some guys try to push her off this balcony. AKA really the gypsies. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> um, the and, gypsies of LA. Uh, Christian saves her. But then like this makes her really popular at school. And then people are ignoring uh, Cher and yeah. only want to talk to Ty. And Ty is kind of getting like all stuck up with all this attention and stuff. Um, so it's kind of a different dynamic than the book. It is different. Yeah. And Cher is really frustrated by all this and then like fails her driving test and then feels like Josh is angry at her for some comments that she made. Um, and is just kind of like in a bad mood in general. And then Ty tells her that she's into Josh, like Harriet tells Emma that she likes Mr. Knightley. And this kind of sparks a similar uncomfortable situation where Cher tries to dissuade her from it that she wouldn't get well get along well with Josh yeah and Harriet's like what you think he's too good for me like I'm too low to go yeah. out with him so they kind of have this fight break she, out over she it. says this really mean thing where she's like why should I listen to you you're a virgin who can't drive and Cher's like Ty, that's like way harsh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they part and Emma goes through this existential crisis. And I love that she's like t- going, taking this walk. Yeah. She does some shopping on the way. All by myself is playing in the background. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great montage. Mm-hmm. And then she decides that she needs a makeover of the soul, but she realizes that, that she's first? in love with Josh. Okay, yeah. I was I was trying to remember which one was first. Yeah. Yeah. She she realizes that she's in love with Josh. And she's like walking past this fountain and it just like lights up. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm in love with Josh. That's why I'm so upset. Um, and she does want to be better, like you said. Yeah. And so she decides to uh do some good. She signs up for a what's the drive called again? The Pismo Beach relief drive. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So she donates like a bunch of her clothes and like mm-hmm. canned food all, all their caviar yeah. that her dad isn't eating <laughs> and is like taking skis and all this like it's so funny like this montage of her helping in the way she thinks is yeah. like the best yeah uh we also get a great scene where travis shows up to the drive mm-hmm. to donate his bongs because <laughs> he's not gonna smoke weed anymore and he yes. thought just because he's not smoking weed doesn't mean others shouldn't. Exactly. Which is very thoughtful of him. It is very thoughtful. <laughs> and I think gives Cher a better opinion. Of him. Of him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Ty and Travis kind of get together mm-hmm. on their own. And then uh, Cher and Josh kind of get together as well. Yeah, we get a scene where they're sitting on the stairs together. Yeah. And kind of finally come to terms with... Their affections for each other. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really sweet. There's a, w- a wedding at the end, but it's Miss Geist and Mr. Hall instead of it being Cher and Josh. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> she is young. Um, <laughs> Do you feel also weird a little bit about Cher and Josh? It is a little weird. It is. Um, Cher is 16 mm-hmm. or 15. I forget which one. It depends on what time you're watching it. I think she eventually turns 16. Yeah, I think she says she's 16. And Josh is at least 18, probably more like 19 or 20 at least. Um, So it is. And even though their past as being actual siblings is described as being short and like insignificant. Not really a thing. Not 
actually having the details of that still makes it a little bit like now did they grow up together like what's the context yeah, how long yeah. like give me a timeline like how long did they live together what was yeah. their relationship like you know how did it fall you know you kind of feel like you need a little bit a point more by point yeah <laughs> yeah so it is also similarly questionable yeah like the book yeah but kind of for that reason though I feel like the budding romance between them is a little bit more kind of sneaks up on you slash yeah. you're like, what is is this going on? Like, <laughs> can I trust? Is this happening? You yeah, know, it's yeah. a little more because it's kind of more, I guess, taboo in a mm-hmm. way that you're a little less um, uh, expecting it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But Paul Rudd is super charming and she can only hold him off for so long (laughs) in his way yes so yeah so that's clueless it is uh two very similar yet very different stories and you know what i love them both in similar but also different ways yeah uh clueless takes its own liberties with the story yeah uh in terms of some of the character dynamics and everything but just like the resetting of the story in the 90s i mean it was the 90s so (laughs) but like it's so rooted in the 90s and the la culture and this high school culture Mm -hmm. that i don't know it just brings new context to a lot of it but when i feel like a lot of people actually don't know that clueless is based on no yeah yeah because it's not very obvious and they don't credit it i don't think in the titles or the credits at all no um but it's so funny how similar they are yeah i was really shocked by how similar beat by beat Mm -hmm. most of the plot is yeah uh so which is better and i will go first okay because i usually put you on the spot you do yeah because i you can never decide i can never (laughs) decide but i have decided i think yeah i think i like emma the book better why did you say that so i was just i first of all i think um i was more impressed in terms of, I, I think Your my expectations. expectations were low. Yeah. Yeah. It, for, a, for, you know, it being my first Jane Austen novel. But there's just so many interesting uh, interactions and discussions. And especially between Mr. Knightley and Emma. Yeah. And I was just continuously surprised by how smart and accessible the writing was. Mm-hmm. And how timeless and relevant the characters and, like, social interactions still are yeah even with like the hierarchy of this time period i mean like the story is so much of just people talking about other people yeah that's and it. <laughs> speculating and i'm like that is everyone's life day to day yeah all we do is talk about other people exactly and i love talking about people i do too i love gossip <laughs> and just kind of speculating on and i don't know kind of analyzing people and their intentions yeah and I don't know. That's just so much of our day-to-day lives. And I think this story captures it so well. It does. And I, I really do like Clueless the movie. It's really funny. It is. It, it, it's a, a really effective rom-com. It is. And it's very funny and captures the 90s so well. But it is still a rom-com and mm-hmm. doesn't like kind of break out of that genre too much. Yeah. Whereas I felt like Emma felt so relevant and contemporary as more than just a romance yeah yeah yeah. i'm also gonna have to say the book i mean i love jane austen Mm -hmm. she is one of my favorite authors 
I really have a deep love for Clueless, though. This is like <laughs> one of my favorite movies just because it's so funny. It's so well written. Um, the fashion is great. Like everything is wonderful. But, you know, Jane Austen speaks to my literary heart. Yeah. And honestly, it makes me so happy that you read a Jane Austen book. I'm and so that happy we got I to did read too. it together yeah. and talk about it. Like it's makes me happy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was a little tough at the beginning. I'll be honest. Yeah. Because there's a lot of kind of exposition and laying out of characters and backstory so yeah. if you are reading Jane Austen for the first time don't be too intimidated at the beginning yeah because once that groundwork is laid and the characters are established um it's pretty smooth sailing from there mm -hmm. so uh I was a little worried at first but I got over that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah and but Clueless something I really like about Clueless though that it does well is it sets up Cher as, you know, even though she is very fashionable and popular and very well off mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, kind of shallow, she's still a good person. She's very sincere. She is. And it really highlights that in a good way. And that, yeah. you know, even though she is clueless yeah. in a certain way, <laughs> bop, bop. <laughs> uh, she's still smart in a lot of ways yeah. and... Uh, kind. kind and thoughtful and mm -hmm. so i really like that it, it is like you know just because you maybe come from a well-off family and stuff doesn't mean you're just like a shitty person or anything yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. i like that clueless does that a lot me too all right book book it's book for both of us <laughs> we finally have a book again yes it's been like five episodes of us choosing the i movie. know it has been <laughs> should we do the lightning round lightning round okay so for my first lightning round uh, we have to talk about in the book, uh, Dr. Perry, yeah, <laughs> who is a very, very spoken of character, yeah, who literally does not appear in the entire story. Once. No, it's just people talking about. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny because, you know, with uh, Emma's father's like disposition for illness and Jane's also being sick constantly, like they refer to him constantly, him yeah. showing up. Mr. Woodhouse is always talking about what Dr. Perry would recommend or his <laughs> thoughts on things. And it wasn't until the end that and I, I think like Jane Austen was kind of hinting at this, too, on purpose. Yeah. Where Dr. Perry's brought up again <laughs> and Frank is like, oh, Dr. Perry, my good friend, Dr. Perry. Like, how is he? And yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, Dr. Perry literally hasn't made an appearance the entire story <laughs> and it's like this inside joke that jane austen set up throughout the entire book that like i literally didn't realize until no the very and i end. didn't either but it's so funny it's so funny and then once you realize it you're like oh my god that's hilarious i can't believe she did that <laughs> i know and that seems like such a high kind of concept joke for a book of this time to have yeah. this inside joke about a character that doesn't actually show up the entire time but everyone's constantly talking about and quoting yeah <laughs> i don't know that seems like a joke from like i don't know like an edgar wright movie or something yeah. it's hard to explain just, yeah but yeah i thought that was hilarious um so in the movie Cher is in debate class with mr hall and she is always 
talking she, she her debate she has two debates and they're amazing <laughs> her first debate is on immigration and she ta- she compares the immigrants from haiti to people that didn't rsvp to her father's 50th <laughs> birthday party and she's like but i went into the kitchen and kind of moved things around and then the more the merrier and she's like so if the government can just go to the kitchen move things <laughs> around i think we can welcome the Hadians." and then she's like And it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) And And I'm like, this is a great perspective. It is. (laughs) And I love the shots they do of Mr. Perry. I'm sorry. Mr. (laughs) Mr. Hall. Mr. Hall listening to her because he's like. She's not wrong. Like, he's clearly, like... <laughs> yeah. She's correct, but this it. is just, like, so absurd. Yeah, it's amazing. She's another debate where she talks about violence in the media. And she's just, like, short to the point, but so on point. Yeah. Also, I read that she pronounces it Hadians, yeah. right? Apparently, uh... Haitians. Yeah, well, what's what the actress's name? Uh, oh, Alicia Silverstone. Alicia, Alicia Silverstone actually was mispronouncing it and the director was like no one correct her this is hilarious <laughs> that's amazing that was a side lightning side side lightning, lightning round <laughs> uh so real quick uh there's a character amber in the movie who is like the mrs elton yeah in a, in a scene where they're getting photos of themselves taken she is in a bodysuit like a patterned bodysuit outside striped bodysuit with her hair in these ridiculous twisted like there has braids. to be some kind of like wire in them. like structure underneath yeah. but if i thought what's her name looked like a who from whoville yeah she was dressed like one yes i was like you are right off of like the set of the grinch she, she is absurd it was ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even notice right away no like, and then we're like what the fuck <laughs> right, look at her <laughs> yeah okay so in the book when mrs weston tells emma that she thinks mr knightley might like jane and emma's like no way mr elton or not mr. mr knightley wouldn't yeah. like jane um she's like um, I would not be into it because my nephew is supposed to inherit his house. Yeah. And li- I'm very set upon little Henry inheriting this estate one day. <laughs> and her justification for being like, it's all settled that like my sister's son will inherit it because Mr. Knightley will never get married. And like, it's clearly her justification for just not wanting Mr. Knightley to get married because yeah. she loves him, but she doesn't realize it. <laughs> and then conveniently when she ends up falling in love with Mr. Knightley. She has no qualms about poor little Henry losing yeah. his inheritance. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> but I remember reading this part and I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, does everyone, I'd ask yeah. you, because I'm like, does everyone feel this way? Because it seems pretty shitty for like everyone to expect Mr. Knightley to not marry so his nephew can, can inherit. Yeah, I'm but like, it's clearly uh, Emma being delusional. Yeah, but I didn't check with you on that though. I'm like, this seems like weird, but... <laughs> So that's lightning round. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's been so fun. We loved watching Clueless and reading Jane Austen for it. Amazing. It was awesome. Uh, if you are listening on iTunes and want to drop us a star rating or review, that's cool. always helpful. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at cover two credits with the number two. Mm-hmm. Our email is cover to credits pod at gmail.com. <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
follow us on Instagram. Yep. We just got a message today from someone who listened to the podcast and gave us a great. recommendation, which yeah. we're going to do now. Mm-hmm. So if you like the podcast and you want to recommend anything, please we, let us know. We love getting recommendations. Like it saves us the trouble of figuring shit out. <laughs> also, we have some awesome Halloween content coming to you guys. For the next two episodes, we're going to be doing some spooky tales. Oh, yeah. So uh, get excited. We are doing Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. By Stephen King. Continuing continuing our trend of avoiding The Shining (laughs) and Misery, his most popular. Yes. But I'm excited. I'm excited to be scared. Um, It's going to be an exciting couple episodes. It's going to be great. And if you like the podcast and want to support us we are on patreon uh we do bonus content for pay for our patrons mm-hmm. we recently just did a follow-up episode to our blade runner episode where we talk about blade runner 2049 the sequel yeah uh so yeah if you like bonus content uh check us out hit and us up yeah for sure and thanks for listening to this episode we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>